Welcome to uh, Connect Church. My name is Terry Pierce, and I get the wonderful privilege of being the lead pastor here at Connect Church. As you can see on the screen, we are on uh, going through the book of Philippians. We're calling this series a joy in the journey. And we're going verse by verse because we believe here at Connect Church that everything we do is based upon this holy book and God revealing himself in the inspired, infallible word of truth. Everything you need in your life, the answers are in this book. And that's what we teach and preach here every Sunday. And so we're taking you on a joy of journey through the book of Philippians. And we believe that you're going to hear more about how cool that, got, that is. So let me introduce you today's subject that we're going to deal with in the next paragraph in this journey. Last week we started this off week two. So here's about our paragraph today that we're going to look at into God's Word. One of the cool things about having grandkids and being old is that you realize you get to play with a whole new generation of toys. And I'm a little bit immature in my mind and heart. Uh, anyway, and so I love watching my little grandkids play with the new toys. Our grandson, Matthew, in North Carolina, FaceTiming, and Courtney was sending us pictures. Um, I don't know what this is, but in his little uh, nursery thingy, crib thingy, he uh, reached up. He's like Aaron. He never sits still, and he grabbed hold of a sloth. I have no idea what a sloth is. That's what she said it was. All I know is Matthew was just, his face lit up. It's like I've been here four months and I finally got my sloth. That's more than some of you have done in the last several weeks. Anyway, uh, and so, uh, but his face just lit up. Nora loves to play uh, with her toys and there's just something cool about being, you know, uh, a parent and, and a grandparent and watching them do that again. When my kids were growing up, uh, I don't remember all of the fun that went along with that. I've got a bad memory, but one is I remember being so much different as a parent than I am as a grandparent. This is the way I did as, with our kids. We bought our kids Christmas presents, and I told them every year, because this is just what parents do, is I said, now listen, boys, we, got three, we have three sons. I said, listen up, boys. Mom and dad's worked hard all year long. It's not going to be a whole lot, and you're not getting anything to your birthday, and this is all we do here at our family because we're poor. So you better take good care of your toys. Now enjoy Christmas. And that's sort of the way we work. But with grandparents, I'm in a whole different world. I see something on Amazon and go, Matthew and Nora and Andrew and Adam Jr. would love this. I'm just like ordering stuff until Belen gets home. And it is so different world uh, being a grandparent. And, and I've forgotten what it's like to watch a kid with a new toy. But I've also been reminded of how fleeting that happiness is. It is like all of a sudden, Nora, Matthew will have a little toy. And for maybe 90 seconds, if it's a good day, two minutes, they're happiness is off the charts. It's a 10 all the way at the end. But after two minutes, my granddaughter has a little bit of grandma, uh, anyway, uh, in her, and all of a sudden, when she's done with it, she's done. Boom! The toy goes down, and we go from a 10 to a negative 5. Ah! And, and, and I mean, there's just, there's no middle ground to walk with here. And it's amazing how that their happiness just 
doesn't last. And then you know what we do. You do it as a grandparent, you look stupid, you do it as a parent, you look even worse. As we look at little Junior and little Johnny, and anyway, and uh, we say to our kids, what's the matter, baby? Why are you so unhappy all of a sudden? Our granddaughter is 18 months old. Matthew's four months old. What do I think he's going to do? Granddad, let's sit down and have a talk, and I'll tell you why I'm unhappy. You know that Dr. Seuss book you've been reading me? It offends me. No, anyway, uh, and so uh, <laughs> I probably shouldn't have said that, but yeah, I believe it. Anyway, so we, we, <laughs> you guys have been watching the news. Uh, anyway, uh, and so who says we're dumb in Mississippi? There you go. Anyway, so the whole thing <laughs> is that you, you, your kid goes from that 10 to a negative five instantaneously. Let me explain something to you. There's no need to ask them the question why. Here's your answer. They are a baby. That's what babies do. And then you ask the next question. Wonder where they learned it from. I wonder if God doesn't look down from heaven and God watches the way you live your life every week. You go from a 10 on Sunday. Man, Pastor Terry was on it today. I don't know if you ever say that. Anyway, uh, uh, the, uh, Pastor Terry's really funny. <laughs> no, you don't say that one. But anyway, uh, you go from being at church in God's house on Sunday, and you're at that 10. We had a good day, connect groups. We got our questions out at guest services, and we went to connect group, and we discussed them all, and, uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then on Monday, you go to that negative five. And I wonder if God's saying, do you not understand? I want to live with you through the week. I know what you're going through in your marriage. I know the kind of junk your kids are messing with. I know that you're taking care of family members that have been diagnosed with dementia. I know that that uh, grandma of yours has been diagnosed with cancer. Do you not understand? I want to teach you how to have joy, lasting joy in your journey. And the reason so many of you are not experiencing this is because you keep making this choice. I want you to look at the screen. I think that we are acting so much like our children because we pursue happiness instead of choosing joy. The toys that you have in your life, the stuff that you are clinging to, that if I just get the right job, if I win the bass tournament, if I go turkey hunting this next weekend, and you still need to be at church, whatever happens in my life this week, if I just have happiness, if my husband just cleans the bathroom once in his life, if he throws his stuff in the hamper one time, I would be happy. No, you wouldn't because then you'd find out something else we don't do right. I'm just saying. So the truth of the matter is, is that you've got to quit pursuing happiness and know that joy is a choice. Hang on just a second, Miss Rhonda. Doctor, let me, let me get to this. Let me set it up. Dr. Victor Frankel was a Jew who lived and survived the Holocaust. And in an interview with him, he was asked, how do you find yourself surviving the concentration camps and all of that pain? 
And this is the statement that he makes. Everything can be taken from a man. Remember this guy was in the concentration camps. Everything can be taken from a man, but one thing, the last of human freedoms, to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances. Guys, that's the key of quit pursuing happiness and choosing joy. And joy is finding God in the journey through your pain. This man knew pain. This man knew problems greater than any of you and I, but yet he survived it. Here's how the Apostle Paul says uh, the same concept. Philippians 4.8, set your mind on the things of God. This is how we choose joy rather than pursuing happiness. And matter of fact, uh, this is the foundation that we're learning every week. We're going to give you more of the truth of how to choose joy in your life, finding that joy in your journey. Be back next Sunday. We'll give you another piece. But here's where we unpack today. This is our focal point today, and this is amazing. God is going to reveal to you and I the next step to finding joy in your life is you find joy in advancing the gospel. You find joy in advancing the gospel. Turn your Bibles to Philippians chapter 1, verse 12. Our next paragraph in our journey this morning. So as we've learned uh, last week, Paul writes a personal letter to the church at Philippi. Let me give you a little bit more of the context of the book of Philippians so that you're going to be able to unpack its incredible God-inspired truths. The church at Philippi was started, as we shared with you last Sunday, in A.D. 52. All of this is recorded for us in the book of Acts chapter 16. It's a great read. And then the Apostle Paul has started this church. He did a church plant. And now, 10 years later, a decade has passed. And the last two of those years, Paul has been arrested for preaching the gospel and he writes this personal letter to them, and he says to them, man, he says, in God's sense of humor, how funny is God? While I'm incarcerated, I'm going to write to you a letter about how to find joy in your journey. God is amazing of how he doesn't do things like we would do them. God is doing something much bigger. Guys, what God cares about is advancing the gospel. Let me say this again. You need a purpose in your life. Here's why this message. Yes, we're going to ordain Andrew. Yes, we're going to explain that to you in just a second. But guys, what you all are missing is you're not living your life on purpose. Are you listening to me, Gen Zs and millennials? Now, here's the cool part about you guys. You guys are trying to figure out why God puts you on this planet. But once you get this down... You guys are, I've never seen a generation that's making a bigger impact for the gospel than you guys. I'm calling you out today. I'm, I'm telling you what Paul is saying to us. Join with us. The next piece of you find joy in your life is to have purpose. Live your life to make a difference. So many of you listening online or whatever, you're just soaking it in. Well, I tuned in today to listen to Brother Terry wax eloquent, well, that ain't going to happen, uh, with a message in the text. No, you're never going to find joy by sitting on the premises. You need to get out and realize the joy that God brings you into your life is when you're making a difference to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Paul writes to encourage them, even in my uh, prison cell. God has given me a purpose in my life. So isn't it cool? 
and God's sense of humor that he takes a guy that's being chained to a Roman guard and says, write a letter and let's put a theme behind it. Let's teach them at the church how to find joy in their journey. Only God could do that. So I've been trying to come up with a creative way to help you guys not forget the sermon. What good is it if you walk out of here and no matter what you hear, if you don't remember it? So, you know, there's certain ways that we try to illustrate and preachers do to help you guys remember stuff, to connect it together. So we came out last week with a theme song for our joy in the journey. And I taught you an oldie but goodie. We've, I've got joy, joy, joy down in my heart. Where? I've got joy, joy, joy. Where? Hard to stay. (laughs) Uh, The staff in staff meeting, they made me promise that I would never do that again. So Tanner suggested in the podcast, go back and listen to this week's podcast. He suggested on the podcast a new theme song from Karen Peck and New River. And it's it's a good, it's, 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 you know, it's got some merit to it. But today I'm going to introduce to us a third suggestion for us to have a theme song for the Joy in the Journey sermon series. And if you're an 80s kid, it's a classic, Don't Stop Believing by Journey. Get it? What I did there, Journey, Joy in the Journey. (laughs) Okay, well that one's out. Anyway, (laughs) so uh, I I can just imagine people are emailing the deacons, the pastor Terry just introduced a rock song, it's our thing. Anyway, um, but just kidding, just kidding, but it was funny. Okay, so uh, how do we find joy even in this sermon, uh, and and how do we stay focused on this? Well, the Apostle Paul says, listen, uh, I want you to know that uh, joy is not, it's not just a fleeting emotion. Brother Terry's jokes are a fleeting emotion, but joy is something that sticks with you and something that you can hang on to that really makes a difference in your life. Paul's message in this book is not so much about defining what joy is. This is not a systematic uh, theological discourse of joy, but rather it is saying it is about doing. It is finding joy in the daily in your journey. Dr. Frank Thielman, uh, he is a noted New Testament scholar. He writes and makes this statement. We gave this to you last week, but it's so money you want to write it down again here's how he summarizes the book of philippians paul is confident that god will conduct the philippians safely into the realm of salvation on the day of christ jesus this he feels is reason enough to do what rejoice do you know what dr thilman is saying about the summary of the book of philippians he is saying paul is writing this personal letter And he's saying to the church at Philippi, guys, I helped plant this church. I led many of you to Christ. Do not give up. It's what you just sang about. I will not turn back. I'm not going back. God, revive us again. The whole thematic approach that Paul is saying to the church at Philippi is the main reason that I'm your shepherd and your pastor. The reason that I'm writing this letter is my, I've got one job in my life as a preacher. Are you listening to me, Andrew? 
I've got one job in my life as a preacher, and it's not to come visit you. It's not to knock on your door. It is not to be there every time that you're, you've got a sniffle. It, it, yes, it's all those things, but, and, and that's a part of it. But that's not you having to define my job. Do you know what I eat, drink, and sleep? This is what God has called me to do. This is the joy of advancing the gospel. My job is to get your backside to heaven one day, and if I preach to you and I beg you and I teach you about Jesus, I'm not going to quit fighting for you. I'm going to fight hell for you. I'm going to fight Satan for you. And I'm going to be there to push, prod, and beg you, stay in the game. Continue to let Jesus take you to heaven. And if you get a preacher for any other reason, then you're wasting your time. This is what God has called us to do, Andrew. Advance the gospel because that's the joy. The greatest day that happens in your life, and you all need to get this. I I don't understand the mentality of where we're at in America. I said I wasn't going to do this in the second service, but I am. I'm going to offend you, so go ahead and get ready. I don't understand where we're at in the mentality that we decide that... I've got to survive this life. I've got to do everything to be safe. And and I've heard a great statement recently that summarizes what I think Paul is saying in this text. Life is not about how many breaths you breaths that you take. Breath you take. You try to say that. <laughs> Let me try that again. <laughs> I'm not sure what I just said, but I probably don't want to repeat that. So uh, Nick, ed, Nick, edit that out. <laughs> Let me try that again. If you don't laugh, they won't laugh, Grace. So, let me try this again. <laughs> We're starting over. Rewind. Life is not about how many breaths that you take, but it's how many moments that take your breath away. You see what, I did that on purpose, no I didn't. Anyway, but you see that moment we just had? You guys morons are going to be talking about that all week long, and I'm going to hear about that. And you, come, by the way, for all of our guests that are here today, you come back next Sunday and I will do something stupid. It's just who I am. It's, it's just me. And I'm okay with it. <laughs> anyway, so the truth of the matter is, I don't understand we're living in this society that says, oh, I've just got to huddle up and I've got to stay safe and, you know, and I've got to survive all of this stuff. What's the point if your life has no meaning? What's the point if you don't have relationships and you're not having a purpose to live your life? Guys, we're going to heaven. It's going to be far better on the other side Honestly, if I don't get to do 80 years on this planet, that's going to be the greatest thing that ever happens to me. Come get me today. Come get me now. I'm enjoying life. I'm going to have joy in my life. I'm not going to hunker down for how many breaths I can get. I'm living my life to have stories to tell. That's going to be a good one. But I'm going to live my life to have moments to laugh. 
Jim, to have moments to cry, Danny, to have moments to live life. And that's the joy in the journey. And a little piece of this, guys, is where we're at this morning. The Apostle Paul is saying, what, what I want the church to do is what we sang about in just a moment ago, is to have revival. And here's what the Apostle Paul says. Look with me in Philippians 1.12. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it's become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that may imprison me for Christ. Most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition and sincerely but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, notice the joy in the journey, what then, only in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice, joy in the advancement of the gospel. Now make no mistake about it, Paul is writing a personal letter here. And he's writing to people that he loves and he pours into. As you guys do your here journals, I need you guys to move to this level where you understand the context of the book that you're reading through. Paul is writing because he had pastored and planted this church. It's not just an abstract intellectual. Again, it's not even that at all. Paul knows the audience. He's not giving them a systematic discourse of what joy is. He's saying, guys, I know what the city of Philippi is like. I've been there. Lydia, I know about your business. Keep on sowing and sharing the gospel with your neighbors. The Philippian jailer that's in the church now and is the lead deacon, he says, you know what? You keep going and suiting it up and go to work, and don't you dare give up. You're witnessing every day to those prison inmates that you're doing. Paul is writing a personal letter, and he's making them understand that there is that joy and that relationship because he loves them. Read the word of God that way. It's God's personal letter to you. you. Do you realize God wrote this letter because he knows about you and he wants you to understand his life, what's going on, so that you can have a better life? Let me illustrate it to you this way. You guys know what um, Back in the 80s, <laughs> I feel so old today. Back in the 80s, um, I went to Bible college. And when I moved off, you're not going to believe this, but guys, you ready? Um, we didn't have these. We did have a phone. It was much larger, and it was attached to the wall. You would die. And uh, it had a cord on it if you were lucky. And if you were in my generation, it was yellow and in the kitchen for the 70s, and it had a cord that went like from here around the, uh, you know, the building. And when I went off to college, my lovely wife was my high school sweetheart, and so I moved three hours away, and in Bible college in those days, they were so stinking, they were legalistic, and um, we were not allowed to have phones because the devil was in the phones. I don't know what, it was stupid. But anyway, legalism has never made sense, so we couldn't have a phone in our room because we might talk to Satan. And anyway, and so, uh, <laughs> I mean, seriously, some of the rules were ridiculous, and, uh, and so we didn't have a phone, so we had to call on a payphone. And I was in Bible college. I didn't have any money, so 
She was out of luck. So you know what my bride did? She wrote a personal letter, James, from Illinois to Nashville every single day for three years. She wrote me a personal letter and mailed it every single day. She really wanted me. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why. But anyway, she's asked that question many times since. But she really, and you know how she began every letter? This was so cool. It would be a game changer. This isn't so cool now, but it was cool then. She wrote the letter every day, and she said, this is how it started. I just want you to know about my day. And then she would go, blah, blah, blah. This is what I did at work today. This is what I did today. And she would tell me all about her day. I had no idea, Lynn, that she was preparing me for marriage because every day when she comes home, sit down, Terry. Let me tell you about my day. And it's wonderful. Anyway, I'm just saying she was preparing me because, and why did she do all of that? All jokes aside, why did she do all that? Because she loves me. And she wants me to love her by being involved in her life every day. And it's a good thing. And that's exactly how God feels about you. Open up my word. I wrote it personally to you. And I want to tell you about what I'm doing in the world today. And I want you to be a part of that. Isn't that cool? So that's what the Apostle Paul writes this letter in the book of Philippians. And what is he trying to teach us through all of this? He's wanting you and I to know that joy is an attitude of the heart that determines, it is determined by our confidence in God. And again, that's the thing that we've been asking you to write down. Here's what we're trying to say to you is the message of this book. Joy is an attitude of the heart determined by confidence in God. <clears throat> I want you to get your notes out this morning. And we're getting ready to ordain Andrew here in just a few minutes. But I want to apply the text, and we're going to make this personal to Andrew at this point. But it's also going to apply to you listening at home and in the audience today. Here's the first principle. You find joy in advancing the gospel by understanding that God advances the gospel even in suffering. Principle number one, God advances the gospel even in suffering. Isn't it remarkable that the Apostle Paul, while being chained to a Roman guard, now get this with me, some of you may not know this, but in Paul's day, not all the time, but much of the time, he would be shackled to a Roman guard every single day. Can you imagine the conversations that went on in the Roman guard, Praetorian guard locker room as they suited up and they put on their Roman uh, outfit every day and they went in to do their job. Could you imagine the locker room that went on as they were going, man, I hope I don't get that bald-headed preacher again today. Ah, man, I hope I don't get hooked up to him because they're going to spend the next eight to ten hours hooked up to this preacher. And here's the cool part about it. God was having revival that was happening. In the midst of his suffering, he didn't just sit and whine and gripe about how bad his day was. 
was. Paul, and, and think about this. Some of you all say, well, you know, you just don't know what I'm going through, Pastor. You don't know how dark my days are. You don't know the family member that's got, you know, cancer in my life. And you don't know the marriage and my husband. And you don't know where my kids are just going off the reservation. You don't know how bad and, and my work and my job. I've got this boss and it's a jerk. And I've got all of this stuff happening in my life. And we whine and we gripe around because we're looking for happiness with all of this stuff. And Paul, who was a, the, the prince of all preachers, no man on the face of the planet has ever preached the gospel, Andrew, like the apostle Paul, other than Jesus Christ himself. Would you know, and I'm just telling you as a preacher, knowing that you were the guy that had literally led thousands of people to Christ, that they, they came and they flocked to hear you preach, to know that you've now been in prison for two years while your life is literally wasting and rotting away, knowing you had this gift that God's given you, and now it's shut up within your bones. You know he had to be busting out going, why is this happening to me? I could be doing all of this great stuff for God, Anybody been there? Why is this happening to me with all my talent, with all my gifts? Why is this happening to me? But Paul was different than you and I. He just says, well, wherever God puts me, I'm going to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ, and I'm going to do it with joy. There were revivals that were happening Everywhere Paul went. When you track through the book of Acts, around chapter 16 through the end of the book, I just finished this in my hair journals. He would be transferred from ship to ship, location jail to jail, on his way to Rome. And everywhere he went, people got saved. Because it was about the gospel, not his circumstances, not his situation, joy in advancing the gospel. Do you know in that locker room that every time they were hooked up, and, and then I, I think this is the way it went down. I can't prove it to you in the original Greek or anything, but this is just what I believe, Mark. I believe that in, as those Roman guards came in and they suited up every day and they put on their uniform and they're going, man, you're going to get hooked up with a preacher? I, I could hear someone go, man, I hope that guy, all he does is talk about Jesus all day long. All he does is talk about how good God is all day long. And I could picture another guy sitting next to him, man, I'll take him any day of the week. Being hooked up to all these other losers. I'm telling you, that guy told me about Jesus last week. I got saved. I gave my heart and life to Christ. He's changed my home. He's changed my family. You hook me up to that bald-headed preacher any day you want because I'm telling you, what he's got is real and it's been a game changer in my life. Revival was happening everywhere Paul went because in the suffering, he was advancing the gospel. He didn't let his circumstances dictate the joy in his life. This is not in my notes, Rhonda, so you just hang with me for a minute. I'm asking you to join with me. I've been praying for months now. You don't even know this. It's the first time I've said this publicly this morning. I've been praying for revival. I've been praying for our country needs revival. But God, start here. And God, start here. <laughs> I'm going to wig some of y'all out that are scared of the Holy Spirit. So you Baptists that are, you know, stoic and you don't have any fun, you, you probably just need to tune me out because I'm fixing to just... 
I'm going to talk about something you've never heard in a Baptist church. It's called the Holy Spirit. It's part of the Trinity. Read about it. And we don't like to talk about it because we can't control it. But I'm telling you, Connect Church is getting a little taste. We're not there, Terry, but we're getting a little taste of what revival can really do and happen. Last Sunday, we baptized Rand and Casey Hines, came out of this life, and they just, they, it was just an incredible story. This couple about my age, they got a little bit younger, and they got baptized, and she was scared to death. And then when I told her about what God was doing, man, she got into that baptistry, and I'm just telling you, God is beginning to light them up. They're getting on fire. It, God is doing an amazing story. We got a man in our church that not only just folks in their 50s that are, are getting right with God, but a, a guy texted me this week in his, uh, I think his fifth grade son. He said, I got great news. Wednesday night, my boy gave his heart and life to Jesus Christ in his home, in his family, not church service. I'm telling you, God is moving to give us a little five straight months in the midst of flipping COVID. We've had five straight months of somebody being saved, baptized, or joining the church. That's not happening across the country. It is God moving. Two weeks ago, we got a couple sitting here in the back this morning. He's the worship leader at the Free Will Baptist Church in Pearl, Mississippi, where we launched to go revitalize this church. He's here today getting a little bit of peace. Talked to the leadership of his church yesterday. We're set up to go and start next month, and I'll be teaching classes on discipleship and how to reach your community and on prayer. Who would have ever dreamed that Connect Church would be coming alongside other churches and helping revive them and revitalize them and help bring them back to where God wants them to be a light into their community? We just get a little taste of what revival will be. Guys, I'm telling you, in the midst of this COVID season, you need to be a part of this. You need to be here today because I'm telling you, God is moving. We had to tear down the tape of our COVID stuff this morning because today, in the midst of COVID, we got almost 400, we got 394 people are here in the house today. Give God a round of applause. That is so cool. But you got to know me. I'm ticked because six of you that are watching would have been here. We would have had 400. (laughs) Numbers don't matter, but they do. Did I say that out loud? I'm just telling you, there is joy. There is joy in the journey when you learn to follow Christ. Andrew... The burnout rate of preachers. Statistics tell us that 60% of preachers will not last 10 years in the ministry. You're seven years in, you got three years left, and you're out. But here's the difference. The reason you're going to make it when most don't is because you've got to stay focused on Jesus. How do you find joy in your suffering? This isn't rocket science, guys. Listen to me this morning. This is not just about Andrew today. Every one of you that is working in children's church, every one of you that's working in the nursery, every one of you uh, that is serving is a greeter. You make coffee. You open up the doors for people to walk in here. Know this. The devil's coming after you. And he's going to tell you to quit. Media team, band deacons, the devil's coming after you. And the devil's going to tell you to quit. 
He's going to show you all the problems in the church. And listen, this is not a perfect church. <laughs> Look at around the room. If you want to find a reason not to come here, start here and go all the way through because there's going to be something that we say or do that's going to offend you. <laughs> but Jesus is not about people. You focus on Jesus, what he has done in your heart and your life. Those of you that have been wounded by religion and church, you let it go because we are moving forward about the gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't care where you've been and how much you've hurt. Andrew, you never give up. You focus on Jesus. And here's the really cool thing. When you do this, he changes your perspective, guys. Uh, every week we meet as a staff and we pray, we do podcasts, we do different things, but every month we have a staff meeting. And what we do is, for those of you not familiar with our church, uh, the way that we do work here for God, is that we lock away with the leadership, with the deacons. We meet in the fall, and we spend several days fasting, praying. We work through things, and we figure, and we pray, and we say, God, give us the vision. God, what do you want us to do as a church? We don't tell him our plans. We say, God, you give us the plans, and then we execute them. And what's so cool about here, and this is why God is blessing this church, is then we spend the rest of the year carrying out the vision, executing what God has given us. And so every month we meet, we got a big giant notebook, we got a calendar, with all the ideas in the sermon series and stuff that God gave us. And by the way, how cool is it that last September while we were fasting and praying, just another little taste of what God's doing, he laid on my heart to preach the Philippian sermon series. I asked Tanner and Andrew, what did they thought? And they, you know, they don't care. They're doing their thing. So yeah, whatever. And, and so, and who knew that I would begin the Philippian series and then all of this time back last fall that on the very Sunday of March the 14th when I'm preaching to ordain my son into the ministry that I would be on the very one paragraph in the entire book that talks about joy in the ministry. Tell me we don't have a big God that knows what he's doing. Wow. And you get to be a part of that. So what my point is, is know that he's going to be there with you. Even in the suffering, he's going to be plotting and knows the plans that he's marked for you. Stay focused on Jesus. Number two is check your motives. Now, it's actually number three. And I know for you note takers, Grace, you just had an aneurysm, but here's the thing. Uh, this is number three, and I know I'm not stupid. I know that three doesn't come after number one, but it does today, okay? So just take that home and chew on it. Because number two in the chronological text of the passage, I want to save to the end and we got to hurry. So let me give you number three real quickly. Check your motives. The apostle Paul says, and I'm saying to you, Andrew, always remember to check your motives. In verse 17, Paul says, the former proclaimed Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to flake me imprisonment. What then? Only that in every other way, whether in pretense or truth, Christ is proclaimed in all that I rejoice. Andrew, you need to know that there's going to be preachers and there's going to be people that say and do things out of wrong motives. In verses 15 through 18 of the text, you're not going to believe this, guys. Big Tommy, in verses 15 through 18, there were a group of preachers that were literally, think about how stupid this is, that were going around. And these were not preachers of heresy. No, notice the difference here. These guys are preaching gospel. 
gospel-believing churches, but they were preaching, we told you that the Apostle Paul was not the right guy. And so out of insecurity and out of comparison, they're getting up and telling everybody, that big old hero preacher that you thought was the big city preacher, he's in jail now. So now who you following? You need to stick to us little old guys and doing our ministry. And out of jealousy and contempt for God blessing the Apostle Paul, they were preaching that his stuff was not right and you need to listen to them. And do you know how the Apostle Paul handles it? He goes, let it go. I don't care for what motives that they have for doing what they're doing, as long as they're preaching the gospel of Christ. Andrew, here's the takeaway, and here's what all the rest of you need to remember. Do not compare yourself to other preachers. God made you. He called you like you are. You do not preach and pastor like Pastor Dave. You do not preach and pastor like Pastor Scott. You do not model yourself and preach like Pastor Chris. All of those former bosses, and guess what? You don't follow in your dad's footsteps. You are Andrew Pierce. God called you. He made you, and he's going to use you like you are, and you let God gloriously take you to something far better than you can ever imagine or dream. Quit comparing yourself to other people in the church. Be who God made you to be. Check your motives. And then number two, which is number three, Grace, but just get over it. God has given us many examples to follow. And this is where we want to wrap all of this up this morning. God has given us many examples to follow. He says, how cool is it that in this whole thing, Paul is that example to the church at Philippi. Notice what he says in the text. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. And here's what I was illustrating to you earlier. So we have this meeting where we come back together as a staff, and we're working every month to plan out and do what God's called us to do. But ever so often, Jody, I pull the staff aside at least once a quarter, and I did it this week. And we met in the back, and I just asked the guys, how are you doing? Not ministry-wise, not in your job, but where are you at in your journey? Is there still joy in your ministry? Be an example. And I challenge my guys, are you doing your hair journals? You can't lead this church if you're not praying and you're not doing your hair journals. Now listen to me. I absolutely, off the record, will deny this publicly, but I am so grateful to have Tanner and Andrew on board with us. They are two of the most talented young men that I've ever been associated with, it, and they're absolutely doing a wonderful job. I'm not going to tell them. I'm going to bust their you know, backside next week to do heart more, but I'm just telling you, but listen to me. You know what I looked at my guys and my team this week and said? I don't care how talented you are, and you are. It's not going to do any good if Jesus is not in it. You guys need more than just us three. You need Jesus. It's got to be Jesus in it. And then I ask them, what is something that God is showing you that you need to change and is wrong in your life? Accountability, that's what we do here. Then I ask them the final question, what is something that God is doing in your life 
that is you just can't quantify, you can't qualify. It's just God is blessing and speaking and pouring into your life. And I said, share that. And so I'm reminding the guys, Alan, it's not about what we do on stage. It's not a show. It is about Jesus. Be a good example in the little things that you do in your life. And do you know what Andrew shared? There's been a lot of moments <laughs> over the years. And I failed in so many things I wish I would have told my kids. But this is what he said. And if he gets this, the ministry, he's going to survive and he's going to thrive. Andrew said, after seven years in two different third, third church of serving in, the thing that I've never learned until coming here is what you pour into me and Tanner. And that is... You're terrified to get up and preach every Sunday unless the Holy Spirit is leading and anointing everything that you do. You are too scared to screw up the ministry and to do the wrong thing. You call on Jesus and you depend upon him for everything you do. And Andrew said, that is what I've learned that is revolutionizing my ministry. That is the example that I want our staff to set. And that's the example that you need to set in your home and in your life. Andrew, be an example of the ministry. Ladies and gentlemen, for those of you that are watching and those of you are here today, what kind of example are you setting? Your kids and your grandkids are watching your decisions, where you go, where you don't go, what you do, and what you say. And my challenge is to you today, what kind of example are you leading for a future generation? You want them to find joy in their life, then you live the joy in your life. At this time, I'm going to ask Andrew and Ashlyn if they would to join me on stage. And we're going to have um, Belin, if you would, to join us on stage as well. This is a little different today. Um, we're going to go through this ordination process here this morning. And um, as we do this, this is weird. Uh, Tanner's been ordained for how many years? Um, so, all right, so about seven years. And um, I've been doing this for a long time, 30 some odd years. But I'm not going to lie to you. Um, he doesn't want a big deal. We're not going to make a big deal. But it is pretty cool to be able to ordain your son. And uh, that's a good day. And um, what you don't know about this example this morning, some of you don't, but Andrew, this example that we've talked about today and Ashlyn, as you stand here on the stage and our audience watches back home, you did not, <laughs> don't testify, you did not have perfect parents. <laughs> well, on this end. Belen was awesome. But uh, you did not have perfect parents. But God has not called us to be perfect. He's called us to be examples of his grace. And what you have standing before you today is a bunch of fallible people that have made huge mistakes and said embarrassing things in sermons. Andrew was a prodigal. Andrew, not going through the story, did not follow God for a season in his life. Are you listening to me, audience? God's not looking for perfect people. He's not. Only by God's grace is my son standing here today and his wife. Because it's not them. 
and is not this heritage. It is the Lord Jesus Christ that reached in and saved him and brought him back and says, what I want to do is, is raise up another example, just like Tanner, just like Terry. Connect Church needs another example. He's the dude that said, I would never, when I leave this house, I'm getting away from the preacher. I'm getting away from Tupelo free will. I'm never coming back to Tupelo. Well, God had a different story. Because why? In his marvelous grace, God says, I love this church. And I'm going to bring an example that you guys can follow. You guys can follow. That's what advancing the gospel is about. Joy in the ministry. And so today, I want us to just stand for just a minute this morning. I want everyone to stand. Tanner's going to play. And if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, I'm going to invite you to come today and just say, man, in the midst of this ordination, wouldn't it be the greatest thing? This is what we do here. It's not about the pomp and the ceremony at Connect Church. It's about you and Jesus Christ. And today we're going to pause this ordination service. And you've heard the word of God. You've heard the salvation message proclaimed today. Would you just come in the quietness of the moment? We're not going to sing a verse of invitation, but we're going to invite you to come today to an old-fashioned altar, to a church that still preaches the gospel, and would you allow Jesus Christ to save you and redeem you? I'm telling you, this is why we exist at Connect Church, to advance the joy of the gospel of Jesus Christ quietly and tenderly. Maybe you're a church member here this morning and you've been discouraged and you're watching online and you haven't come back yet. I'm telling you, now's the time, guys. Life is short and life is precious. Let's get engaged. Let's be there to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. What you're financially uh, investing here, here at Connect Church to pour into churches like Pearl, to help out in Mexico and Cuba and Japan. God, guys, we are taking the gospel right here into this community. Now Now's the time to commit. Man, I'm going to be a part of the gospel of Jesus Christ, advancing that truth. Would you make that commitment today? God, help me to find joy in my journey. Amen. Folks praying this morning. Folks praying this morning. God, I want to come back to the joy in the journey in my heart and life. Dear Heavenly Father, we just pray this morning, folks here at the altar, second straight week, Father, of folks making decisions for Christ. God, we're getting a little taste. We're getting a little taste of your revival, a little taste of your spirit of what can happen. God, I'm praying today. I'm joining with our congregation, with almost 400 people that are here this morning, the 600 members of our church. God, we are joining together to pray for revival. God, our country needs to be saved. Our marriages and our homes need to be saved. God, we believe that there is joy. Oh, not happiness. Happiness comes and goes. But God, we want a people that when we go through the suffering, when we have a good day, it doesn't matter to us because we've got Jesus walking through the journey with us. And God, we're going to do that next week and in the weeks to come. And God, I pray that you're just going to bless and confirm these decisions that are being made this morning. God bless and honor your word. Encourage your people. Thank you for this truth. And all God's people said,
Thank you for listening to the Sermon Playback Podcast from Connect Church in Tupelo, Mississippi. Connect Church has two worship services on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. and 1030. We sincerely hope you'll visit. For more information and details, or if you have any questions you'd like answered, please visit our website at www.triconnect.church. Again, that's www.triconnect.church.